There we go. Good to see everyone here this morning. We have been discussing the Holy Spirit the last two weeks. When you talk about the Holy Spirit, many people say, well, I heard a lady say one time, I went to buy a car, and I could not decide whether to get the red car or the blue car. And so I told the salesperson that I'm going home, and I'm having the Holy Spirit tell me what color car to get. Now, I believe she believed that. And the fact of the matter is, though, the Holy Spirit is used a lot. Of, it, uh, you, you can turn on the television and see people who are preaching in the denominational world, and the Spirit will come upon them, so to speak, and that they'll cure diseases and so on and so forth. So you hear a lot about the Holy Spirit. But what does the Bible say? Well, we've discussed that the last two weeks. I want to go over a couple of things this morning. And then I, I have to tell you that when I've been, I've been studying the Holy Spirit the last two and a half weeks, and the more I study about the Holy Spirit, the more there is to learn about the Holy Spirit. I, th I thought I knew a lot. And then when you study something, you realize how much more there is to study. My wife, who's not able to be here this morning, um, works in the medical field, and she's done that for, well, I'm giving away her age right now, but that's okay, she's not here. <laughs> um, she has done that for, actually, from starting school, at 18 years old in the medical field, she's done it now for uh, 51 years. And she will say, she'll tell you, she'll say, well, it's a little different now than it was in 1972 when I was going to, when I was going to t learn about x-ray and nuclear medicine and ultrasound and all those different things. And when you study the Bible and you say, well, I'm going to study a particular subject I just realized this is being recorded, so she's going to hear this about her age anyway. <laughs> I just realized that. I need to be a little more careful about that. But anyway, when you study a particular subject, you realize how much information is in the Word of God about a particular subject. And that the more you study, the more you learn, and the more you learn, the more you want to know a little more. And that's what it's been for me as far as the Holy Spirit is concerned. But when you look at the mission of the Holy Spirit, more, as we've discussed, is revealed in the Gospel of John about the Holy Spirit than any other Gospel, any of the other Gospels. In the first place, he was to be a guide, an advocate, a comforter, or a succorer, a comforter, or paracletos, as we discussed before, a comforter to these people. The Holy Spirit was to what? was to be their guide when Jesus Christ left them, left them and ascended into heaven. In this role, he would bring to their remembrance what he had taught them. And that's what he said in John the 14th chapter and in verses 25 and 26. They probably would have been just as happy if he had said, I'm going to be here with you always. But they had to learn the fact that he was going to go away and that he would, there would be a comforter that would help them. 
that would guide them. Therefore, through the assistance or guidance of the Holy Spirit, they would have an absolutely accurate recall of all that Jesus had said to them. And I think about that, and I think about, have you ever played that game? I remember playing in the sixth grade this game. Uh, I can't think what you call it right now, but you have, I, it was, if I would come over and I would say to David something, and I say, okay, you whisper to Lee, and then Lee will whisper to Penny, and then Penny to Jackie, and it gets all the way back to the building, and then, and then what Brother Ed would hear is totally different than what I probably told David in the beginning. Do that. Tell, thank you, telephone. Um, so, if, if they're just trying to recall what Jesus said without some help, they would have some problems. But what did Jesus say? I'm going to send a helper to you, and he's going to what? He's going to make sure that you have absolutely accurate recall of all that I say to you. There would be no mistake when recalling what they remembered. Now, that being said, they had there were different styles, weren't there? As we discussed last week, Mark was a very plain man. So the way he spoke was in a very plain way. You take a look at Luke, though, as a physician, and he would write differently than Mark. But it would be the same thing, only in a different style. Why? Because Jesus said, you're going to have recall. Also, Jesus told them, that the Holy Spirit would be a witness-bearer. A witness-bearer. And so this witness was to be threefold. Number one, number one of the threefold, to convict the world of sin. How would they do that? How does the Bible convict people of sin? The Holy Spirit, gives the, we have the inspired word here. And when you take a look at the Word of God, what does it do in relationship to an individual? It convicts the world of sin. What we see in the Bible is, is how to live, how to live our daily life, how to live in marriage, how to live as a, as a parent, how to live with each other, how to worship, when to worship, etc., etc., etc. That's what we have. So, number one, to convict the world of sin. In other words, if somebody's doing something that's in violation of the word of God, the word of God, an honest heart will take a look at it and say, I need to make a change. I need to make a change. Number two, to guide the apostles and do all the truth, including what had not been revealed to them. Interesting. There was more to be revealed. And number three, to glorify Jesus. And that's in John the 16th chapter and in verses 17 through 14. As far as convicting the world of sin, his mission was to what? Was to tax one with his fault and to do this 
convincingly. This would be done because men do not believe in Jesus in John the 16th chapter and verse 9. He was to convince men about righteousness because Jesus will go back to the Father after his death, indicating he was without sin because there was no sacrifice for his sins had he committed any. The Holy Spirit was to convince men of the judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And that's what Jesus told them in John the 16th chapter and, to, and in verse 11. In Luke the 24th chapter, in Luke chapter 24 and in verse 49, Here's what he said. Jesus told them, and this is really, uh, the book of Luke closes with this. Here's what, he, here's what he said. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in this city until you are clothed with power from on high. We're in no doubt as to what God intended the Holy Spirit's witness to be. He said in Hebrews, the second chapter and in verse four, and what? It was to be through miracles, signs, powers, and wonders. Miracles, signs, powers, and wonders. Now I go back to turning on the television and seeing a, somebody on a TV who's curing people. And I put that in a parenthetical statement. I think back, and I mentioned this to some members here. When our son, my wife and I have a son, when he was playing football out at uh, Coral Springs High School, um, after practice one day, one of the coaches uh, said, can I catch a ride home? with you since you're going to be going that way. He said, my car's in the shop. And I said, sure, come on. So we're talking on the way. And he said, oh, what do you do for a living and all that? So it, it turned into a, a religious conversation. And he said, let me tell you a little story. This is one of the coaches for the Justin's football team. He said, I have a brother. I said, okay. said, he's, he's been very sick. Lives up in Orlando. This, this is years ago. At that time, he lived in Orlando. I don't know what happened to the brother since then, but this is what his brother, the coach, was telling me. He said, that I, he said so-and-so was going to be in Orlando and was going to be healing people in a service. And he said, this is a great opportunity. He, the, the, the coach really believed he desperately wanted his brother to be healed. So he took him to Orlando. He took him, I don't know if he was in a wheelchair or not, or what his, what his physical appearance was. So this is an interesting thing that happened. They stopped him at the door, they being the handlers for the preacher. And they said, what is your, what's the problem with this man here? 
He said, well, he's, and I don't remember, but let's, let's just say for argument's sake, he is unable to stand. He's a, he's a paraplegic or something like that. I don't remember what in particular it was, but I just want to make it for argument's sake. They said, well, you know what? Um, we won't be able, he won't be able to be on the stage today. He said, well, why not? He needs to be healed. They said, well, well, here's the problem. If you ever saw that before, it was always somebody who had an internal problem of some kind that could never be verified. This man probably, for argument's sake, could not walk. The man who was doing the healing could not heal somebody who was not walking. Many years ago, back in Ohio, went to a debate between a, a denominational healer and the preacher that, at the congregation there. And he said, I can show you proof after proof, that the, the denominational person said, of somebody that's been healed. But it was always, he said, proof coming. It never came. He said, here's the, he said, uh, Mary has heart problems. Joe has an ulcer. Bob has a knee problem. If you're coming without an arm, he can't replace the arm. What happened back at that time? There was through signs, miracles, powers, and wonders. Miracles. The power of, as Thayer said, of performing miracles. The deed that would set aside natural law. You recall when Jesus walked by and he saw people that couldn't speak, I mean, were blind or couldn't walk. Everybody in the city knew who they were. This is whatever his name is. He has been able, unable to walk his whole life. And he's now a grown man. Jesus cured him of that. This is so-and-so. He hasn't been able to see his whole life. Jesus cured him of that. This is what the Spirit, as far as the enabling power of the Spirit, he was able to bear witness. And how the Spirit, Holy Spirit witnessed is the purpose of this section. Through miracles, through signs. One can say that the sign calls attention to something other than itself. Powers. Dunamis. We get the word dynamite from that. From dunamis. And that's the power is translated and basically means might, strength, ability given to one to enable one to perform miracles and wonders. Something strange. Causing the beholder to marvel. It's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. One of the, one of the things that the Holy Spirit could do. I'm going to talk for a few minutes now about a subject that is... Well, let me, let me put it to you this way. It's called Baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's fascinating. It's intriguing. And interesting as a subject. And there's a perennial concern that people have about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's dramatic. 
It's extraordinary, as what we read in the Bible. And men throughout history have been consumed of its implications and potentialities to the point that often fantastic and wholly untenable positions have been taken relative to it. We talked about that a few minutes ago. You know what? That subject never ceases to appeal to the mind of people. But what does the Bible talk about when it talks about baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, among brethren, there's a divergence of opinion. And we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. About the meaning and significance of baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know what? Number one, there is a promise. There's a promise. Now, in John, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 3 and in verse 11. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John, the baptizer, is talking there. He said, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay. Now, there is a promise. Now, Jesus, Jesus said, if you turn to Acts chapter 1 and in verses 1 through 3. In Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Jesus is very close to ascending back to his Father. Now, if you go to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. Now, here's what it says in verse 4. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you, you, his disciples, followers there, will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he said, don't go anywhere. You just stay right in town because something's going to happen and here is what's going to happen. Now, if you were one of them standing there and hearing this, you would be, this would be thrilling. It would be uh, confusing. It would be uh, so many different emotions, but he said, you, you stay, and among those things that were spoken to them were these words, as we, said a minute, as we read a minute ago, wait for the promise of the Father, which said ye, he, ye heard from me, for John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit 
not many days hence. What about the fulfillment? The twelve, including Matthias, did wait. Did wait. And on the Pentecost, following the Lord's resurrection, turned to Acts chapter 2 and in verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then what happened on that day? There follows an account of the preaching on that day. And what does it say? It would be cleansed by faith, as is in Acts chapter 15. What was the promise of the Father? Baptism in the Holy Spirit, which Jesus made to the apostles, as we read in Acts chapter 1 and 4 and 5, was to come upon them when they received power with the coming of the Holy Spirit which is in Acts chapter 1, it would come in, in, in account in verse 8. What, for what reason? That outpouring was to enable them to accomplish the task of the Lord had given them in John 14 through 16 and in Acts chapter 1 and in verse 8. Let's go back to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. For you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. What was, that, what was the purpose? The purpose was to what? Was, the power, was to enable them to accomplish the task the Lord had given them. Now, here's a point I want to make. And it's two directions we're going to go here. That was promised to them, on the, and that was accomplished on the day of Pentecost. That baptism. That covering, that baptism. Somebody comes along and says, well, same thing happened to Cornelius. Cornelius, as we read in Acts chapter 10 did get an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And there were those who were able um, then to speak in tongues, so on and so forth, as evidence of what had just happened to them. But Cornelius was not able to go out and proclaim the word perfectly as Jesus promised to the apostles. So here's the question. Did, did Cornelius, was he baptized with the Holy Spirit? Someone say he received the outpouring, yes. But only the baptism of the Holy Spirit was given to those apostles. Did Cornelius receive an outpouring? Yes. But then some people come along and say, wait a minute. The promise was made to both, to what occurred, what happened to both of them. Now, so that Cornelius did, as mentioned, Cornelius was, some will say, 
was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that point is held by many brethren. Why? First, they are impressed by the fact that Acts 2 and 10 are the only two recorded events in which the Holy Spirit baptism was administered by Christ directly from heaven. That's what one brother says. Secondly, they emphasize the phrase, like gifts, in Acts 11, chapter verse 17, pointing out that the Greek word for like means equal. In other words, the size, the quality, and everything is the same. So the point of that brother is, or some of the brethren is, what happened to Koinonia's is exactly what happened to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. Now, there's a debate going on. There's a, there's a constant debate about this. If you would like my opinion on that, but we can, we can discuss it. It seems clear to me that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was performed by Christ on the apostles to enable them to reveal the whole truth with the accompanying evidence that it came from deity. Remember what happened. They were able then to, with the powers and the, and the might and the miracles and all, do those things. Do those things. What was that? That was accompanying evidence. But that was, my belief is that that was promised to no others and to be given for no other purpose than he had demonstrated. Was Cornelius, did he receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Was there evidence of that fact in his home? Yes. But was he baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because those that were baptized in the Holy Spirit were able then to reveal the word without error and were able to perform signs, miracles, and powers, etc., and only them. I was going to talk about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and then the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2.38... At the end of that particular verse there, there was a, there's a statement about receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. For many years in my mind, it would be like a gift of Steve to David. But I've had but in studying further about that and taking a look at at several different ideas about that and passages, my belief is that the Holy Spirit was the gift was the gift. And we'll talk about that. As far as blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I, I thought we would get a little further along today, but I'm wrong. Take a songbook and turn to the invitation song. <laughs> 